Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! First off, uh, for a little while there, and I fly a lot, or I have, for a little while there on Friday night, June 21st, and this is part of this trip, I thought it might be Gonsville. British Airways, 6.30 on a Friday night. One of the six that was with us got bumped to 7.30, and how lucky was Mr. Devine? They had they screwed up his air thing, his seat, and they put him on a first class at 7.30. The rest of us were, five of us, were 6.30 at, uh, on a, on a, on a uh, business class. Remember, seven were already there, so he kind of split the travel going to Turnberry. Anyway, 40 minutes into the flight, the pilot comes on. 40 minutes in. And, uh, you know, I had been always fooling around with my, you know, I love those flatbeds. I'm fooling around with the bear. I'm, ne- I'm next to the clerk, my tennis buddy. We're fooling. He says, uh, I apologize, English accent, dead serious. I apologize, but our entertainment system is malfunctioning. So it's unfortunate, but on this flight, we are not going to have entertainment. So no movies. Uh, I'll keep you posted. We're working on a problem, but we think we're not going to have any movies, which means no power, which means my seat is in a flatbed, right? I don't think too much of it. I'm playing golf. Who cares? I was going to read my little Greg Isles book and hit the sack anyway, or try to. 40 minutes later, he comes on, or 20 minutes later, he comes on again. And he says, our backup system is now malfunctioned. All right. I wasn't going to have it anyway. Uh, Is this a big deal? You got to tell me this. But, he tells us, so I, I didn't hear that many murmurs. Uh, I mean, it didn't seem to be that much of a concern. It was a nice night travel-wise. So I didn't think too much of it. Then about 40 minutes later, uh, you know, the, the, the stewardesses, or stewards, I guess I have to call them now, are running down the aisle, not running, but they're hustling down the aisles with flashlights. And they're opening up the... Overhead luggage bins. What the what? And, you know, opening up the overhead, and I'm it's a, I'm getting a little. I'm, we're all a little worried. What do you open up? And then we find out that we think there's an electrical shortage aboard the aircraft. It's a seven seven seven. This is the one Fat Rob put the six of us on five because Divine get a break at seven thirty. So th- that was a little weird. All right, can't find anything. There's no fire or anything. There's no smoke, but it was a little weird. Shortly thereafter, and I'm condensing this because there's a lot to say with this trip, but shortly thereafter, the pilot comes on, and it's now nighttime. The pilot comes on and he says, could the chief steward come to the cockpit immediately? What? Come to the cockpit? (laughs) Now Now I'm getting a little nervous. The clerk sitting next to me says, yeah, I'm a little spooked. Mike Lombardo, who nothing ever bothers him, opens up his overhead luggage bin and he's one row behind me puts his hand there in his heat john hutchins who played hockey at colgate i said john what do you think he says we got a serious problem on our hands so you could tell the lights were still on the plane but you can tell there's tension in that aircraft and there's tension comes on 10 minutes later with an english accent the pilot and he says i hate to tell you this 
but we're going to have to divert the plane to Gander. Gander. I saw come fly, uh, come from away, that great play there on Broadway about all the planes that stopped in Newfoundland uh, on the way to 9-11. I said, yes, yeah, we're going to have to stop the Gander. Uh, we have some issues on this aircraft and everything else. So now, uh, or Doug Smith included, I'm a little nervous. I take a Valium, right? I say, God, please, really? My 60th basis, where we're going here? A 60th birthday, this is the way it's all going to end? Because that, when the pilot tells you that, and you can say tenseness in his voice, you get a little nervous. Well, to make a long story short, he got the plane down on the emergency runway in Gander in a rainstorm with fire trucks on the runway. Plane landed, you can live with it. Landed at 11.30. There's a 90-minute time difference to Gander. We get off the plane. We're all happy we're alive. And in the next three or four hours, we find out that the plane had two electrical fires on it. And the a policeman who we spoke to at 3 o'clock in the morning tells us, I've been here a long time. This happens occasionally, but I've been here a long time. And that air traffic control up top getting his plane in was very tense. Whoa, whoa. Oh, whoa. So, we're in Gander, Newfoundland. I got five guys. I got a practice round of golf at Turnberry, which is in Scotland, not England. Turnberry uh, at uh, 12 o'clock the next day. All right? This is uh, 1 a.m. This is 4.30 in the morning, England time. So, I was supposed to be in uh, Turnberry in eight hours. Lo and behold, Bob Jones, who flew with us on American, different airline, but took the trip to the airport, makes it. Divine, uh, in comfort, in first class, makes it. They all end up at Turnberry on time. I have to, we, not me, we have to figure out a way, how am I going to get off this aircraft? Finally, in the middle of the night, we were all sleeping at the airport, 277 people. Gander, no, they, they opened up a little food concession. They gave you a 20-pound voucher. Finally, at about 5 a.m., they tell us that they are going to send us an aircraft from Boston, nobody on it, that's going to leave at 2.30 Gander time in the afternoon, which is 6 o'clock at night. It's, it's 12 hours from now. So for the next, whatever it might be, we have to figure out with Rob, who's in London, who's at Tur- Turnberry, how to get there. How the hell are we going to get to Turnberry? Because your flight was can't, you know, you, you didn't make your connection. There's nothing available the Sunday morning. The first flight to Glasgow, an hour from Turnberry, is at three o'clock, two o'clock available on Sunday afternoon. Two o'clock. I actually called Manford, the baseball commissioner who was flying to England, thinking that because he was going to. Troon, maybe I get lucky and get his aircraft, his airplane. But I find out that there's a curfew at Heathrow at midnight every day because it's in the airports in a neighborhood. So I'm, we're not going to arrive in Heathrow until 11.30 at night on Saturday. So I, I can't get out of Heathrow. Thought about a van, seven hours, drive to Turnberry. It's 300 miles. Can't do that. I got five old farts here. I, I can't put them in a van at one o'clock in the morning. That I can't do. We thought about flying to Toronto and coming over on Air Canada later in the afternoon. We looked into that seriously, 
problem with that is you couldn't get the bags off the British Airways flight, which is still stuck in the middle of the runway. So you can't get the bags off. So you can't do that. So how in the world are we going to get to Turnberry so we can start this six-on-six Ryder Cup competition, 9.06 tea time on Sunday morning? We thought about moving the tea times back. We did temporarily, but then we left them alone once we figured out a way. The way we figured out, and you're going to laugh, it was the only thing we could have done. We decided to rent, you ready? A helicopter. That is correct. So the plane eventually, after two and a half hour delays, that plane from Boston, the empty one, landed in Gander. It's about two hours. It's 1,400 miles, Gander, from New York. And remember, Gander is the last place you can land a plane before you cross that pond. And remember something else, which I did not realize. London is 2,500 miles from Gander. It's not a two, you're not halfway there. It's 2,500 miles. It, yeah, that's five hours. That's a long way. Long way. Plane got to Gander 11.15 at night, and we didn't, uh, 11.15 in the morning on Saturday, we did not take off into four o'clock in the afternoon. It took them five hours to get 277 people on board. They finally did. We finally took off, and we finally landed at Heathrow five hours later at 11.53 at night. The five of us got our luggage, went through customs, found a cab, and went to an airfield. I tell you, I felt like a paratrooper in World War II. We went to an airfield. We could not find the helicopter. The helicopter we rented, Rob did, smart, from Turnberry. And there was a horse race. The Royal Apps got there this weekend or last weekend. So there was, you, couldn't, you couldn't take a private plane. It was impossible. We finally found a helicopter. We got on board the helicopter. They had, they had Coronas in the helicopter, believe it or not. Six seats. We sat in the helicopter. And the helicopter flew 4,000 feet, 180 miles an hour. And it took two hours to, to get to Turnberry. It landed on the Turnberry campus at Trump's resort at 4 o'clock in the morning. 32 hours. And give him credit, bless his fat little heart, who was there with the room keys to meet us at the helipad in Turnberry. And they have two of them, by the way. I guess Trump must take more helicopters. They had two of them. And who was there with the room keys? Rob. So that's the first thing you need to know is the, now, who do you think paid for the helicopter? It wasn't Rob. It wasn't Doug Smith. It wasn't John Hutchins. It wasn't John DeClerc. No, no, no. It wasn't Mike Lombardo. It wasn't Mike Devine. It wasn't Bob Jones. It wasn't Grant Napier. It wasn't Jeff Heiss. And it wasn't Rob Manford, at least directly. It wasn't Sandy Montag. My wife doesn't know about it, but what the hell? You know who paid for it? Your favorite talk show host. And it wasn't 2000 It wasn't 3000 It wasn't 4000 It wasn't 6000 It wasn't 8000 It wasn't 10 It wasn't 12 It wasn't 13 It wasn't 14 It wasn't 15 I did not miss a number. It was not 16 Do the math. I had five guys to get to Turnberry. 
I had a British Airways where I, we almost went down. Newfoundland for 17 hours. Get me the helicopter. I got it. Two Coronas. I asked those captains a thousand questions with the little headset. It was a $5 million helicopter, sold to Wells Fargo for three and a half, which they flew to Poughkeepsie, New York to test run it. They flew it back in a crate over the ocean to get back to England, and now it's a helicopter that is in service for Trump. I got it. I paid for it. And I landed. Woke up the next morning. We had six on six. You know, we evened them up with the um, uh, with the handicaps. So we put the two best players on opposite sides. And we split it up as best we could. We had all sorts of matches going on. Best ball of the twosome. Indiv- uh, quota system. We had Staberford system. We had an alternate shot day. I mean, we really, we Rob did an unbelievably good job of setting up this competition. So we played Turnberry the first day. And I was wrapped up. Got me up at 8 o'clock in the morning. I was started when I woke up. Hit a few balls. Got to the first tee. And Turnberry, right away in Scotland, you know, uh, you know, there's bunkers all over the place. The weather was good in Turnberry. There's bunkers all over the place. And you know that you're going to be using that putter constantly. I mean, that's just all there is to it. You know you are going to be hitting that putter every way you turn around. Close to green, you're going to be hitting that putter. First day, uh, I shot 100. I had four pars. I parred 18. Didn't mean anything. Uh, my, my, my old college roommate and myself, Jeff Heiss, lost to Bob Jones, who's a five, and uh, his partner, John DeClerc. Um, uh, you know, uh, bad tee shots, lost a couple balls. Probably wasn't quite ready to go. Love Turnberry. It's an incredibly good resort. We teed off at 9.06, 9.12, and 9.18. Um, We were done at 1.00, lunch. I had a a massage. This is my 60th birthday. I'm going to make this work, right? And then we had a dinner uh, for the 12 of us at the chef's table inside the kitchen at Turnberry. And I gave a little speech. The cocktails were rolling. They made... They gave a seven-course meal. Couldn't be a better first. Would have liked to have played better golf, but it couldn't be. It couldn't be a better first day. Turnberry is a. It's a resort. Great place to take your wife. Uh, you get the golf in. It's on uh, the You can see Ireland from you know the 18th. Really from the first tee. Uh, it's a, not an unbelievably long. The starters pick the tee boxes. There's your first day. I believe it was tied. The matches after day one. We get we have a big bus. Toilet, I have a, a, a bathroom facility on a bus. It's you know sits about twenty five. We rented the bus for the week. Driver the whole bit. We get up the next morning. We go to Troon. Uh, Troon is where Palmer won. It's about thirty minutes away. It's right near Presswick Airport. And right away it was cold. It was cold, but right away I loved it. You know it's in a Scottish village. They've been playing golf there since seventeen forty eight. Turnberry, by the way, is where Watson beat Nicholas. Troon is where Arnie won. They have played golf there since 1748. The first five holes are along the ocean. It's got that famous postage stamp hole on eight, which is 110 yards, where I was unlucky to hit the ball in the coffin, coffin, coffin bunker in which it's called, and the caddies were laughing at me, and I got a 10 to get out. And I played horrendously. I shot well over 100. I never got anything going. I had one par. I loved it. I got a little, they got a 
three-car train that outlines the course, a passenger train. It's like a subway. They have Presswick Airport two minutes away. Manford came on the bus, give us a little pep talk because he was staying at Troon because he was getting ready for the Yankees and the Red Sox. So the day, and I loved, absolutely loved the course, but I stunk. And what really bothered me is when I got off the course, and I was the last group out that day. We had three groups, you know, three two times in a row. Every single one of them, when I was the last out, played great. Grant in 84. Cutler in 83. The fat guy from Rappin in 88. Doug Smith, my playing partner that day, four pars in a row on the front. He shot in 87 and he birdied 16 and he was so excited because he had a birdie at Troon. And I was about 100, I was literally, I was so frustrated, I said that I shot a 118 because I was taking, I was counting every shot. I got on the bus, this is the second day in, and I was pouting. And these are my 11 buddies going back to Grant in 1965. And I said that I, I was pouting. Rob had beer in the bus, lunch in the bus because we were driving to Muirfield. And I was so bothered, and Rob to annoy me, he was the scorecard keeper every day, and he had Bob Jones, who's great, three or four handicap, reading off everybody's scores so he could do the scoring right with the with the bet. And Rob said, eight, seven, nine, six, ten, hole by hole my score, which really aggravated me. So I was in a funk. We drive across the country to Muirfield, we stay in this little hotel, a little inn, right next to the Muirfield course, and I was still in a funk. You could not snap me out of it. it. Took two hours and 20 minutes. I was so upset that when we got to the hotel and took the bags out, I refused to have the bellman take the bag to my room because he was a little late. So I grabbed my big blue bag and walked up the stairs right in front of Rob just to annoy him because, you know, he's running the ship and it's my trip and I have to take my own bag. That's that's how upset I was about that 117. Anyway, to make a long story short, Muirfield. That's where Mickelson won. Muirfield is an incredible place because they do, they let you do, you only can play twice a week if you're a member of the public. Tuesdays and Saturdays. And if you do that, that's the only time you can play your own ball. So we played 18 in the morning matches, and we played alternate shot in the afternoon. So we play in the morning, and I'm missing three-foot putts for the first three days. I could not make a three-foot putt. And I was missing putts to win holes. You know, I, I could. I was so. Fr- I was still frustrated, and I pissed Rob off. This is the day that I was with him. This is the guy who set the trip up. And we get to the eighth hole. It's a par. Th- it's a par four. Rob had three pars in a row to start. He's killing me. We always have these matches on the seventh hole in a par three. He had a pickup. He was in the bunker, and I had a five for. I won the hole with a five. We get to the eighth tee box, and Rob puts his tee down, and he's about to hit. And I'm in a really bad mood. And I said, Rob, you don't have honors here. And he was so annoyed. He said, really, Chris? This is what you're going to do now? I want to. You had a five. They told us to speed up these caddies. And this is what you're going to do. I, I make him pick up the tee. 
I went first. Rob, who had the eight, goes fourth. And what does he do? He yanks two out of bounds. <laughs> Only me on a Scottish trip from, from, from heaven would do that. And I felt, two holes later, I felt terrible about it, but I made him pick up the tee, on, and he hit two out of bounds. Anyway, we play Muirfield. I play better, 98. I play a little better. And from that perspective, uh, I, I hit the ball a little better. We go in, you put a shirt and tie on, and you have lunch at Muirfield. No cameras, no pictures, but you put a shirt and tie on, you have lunch. How about that at Muirfield? So I put a, we all put shirts and ties on. I had two vodkas. I had a mushroom soup, and I had roast beef, and I had a piece of chocolate pie. Two vodkas, done at three, and I put the outfit back on, and we played alternate shot in the afternoon. Same caddies. Alternate shot in the afternoon. And I have these, a lot of these guys have never played alternate shot. It was the best event I lost Bob Jones up three on 11 and he makes putts stand, you know, he's hit four irons, 168 feet, five feet from the cup, those kinds of things. But it was so much fun and everybody, everybody got into it. We go back, we're done at the end of the day. We walk into a little library foyer with a little bar and we all basically 11 of us with vodkas toast Muirfield. Muirfield, pound for pound, pound for pound, is probably the best course I've ever played. And we thought they were going to be stuffy. We thought they were going to be, you know, a little stick, you know, a little rough, nicest group of people you ever meet in your life. And I got to the driving range that morning. There was four groups of people out there, Atlanta and Pittsburgh, and all were listeners. But I made Bob, I made Rob, Read T on eight to be an ass. Rob, you don't have the T here. Chris, really? Really? I'm going to sacrifice the key for your lousy five. And then two out of bounds. Oh, that's the halfway mark. Steve Torrey's got a sports bike. All right, buddy. What, do you think this is going to be 10 minutes? <laughs> no. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably take us home right till six o'clock. No, no, five, but but uh, Muirfield's. I remember we have bus. We got food on the bus. I mean, oh, you did it right. We he, we didn't have to do anything. He he did everything. Father Rob was spectacular. Oh my God, he told us we had to leave. Oh, that's another thing. He told everybody at Muirfield on the Monday night to take your shoes with you. Don't leave them on the bus because the bus is going to go away for a day. And I forgot. To, I was I was so annoyed, I forgot, and the next morning I realized I didn't have my shoes, and I was a big funk. You know, Rob, I won't play today. Go ahead, you guys play. Oh, you I, are. What's with you? Jeez. I, I was in a big funk, and Rob bit bit his lip, and you know what he did? He gave me his shoes, and he went to the pro shop, and they gave him a pair to wear for the day. Wow. For 24 hours, because of Troon, you couldn't talk to me. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82.